Hello, and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit, with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mask, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we're answering listener questions for our episode 90 extravaganza. Hello, and welcome to the episode 90, what the fuck, 90? Uh, extravaganza. I'm Alex, uh, and my question for you, dear listeners, is what is your favorite super niche nonfiction book? I'm talking like the history of tableware. Hmm. I'm Freya, and my question for you is if your current OTP, the ones you're currently obsessed with, met in a band or orchestra AU, what instruments would they play and why? And who plays the oboe? Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm Macy. Uh, and... <laughs> Looking at a same-sex couple, which of you is the oboe player? <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Here's the funny thing. My current OTP is from the hands of the emperor, and one of them actually does play the oboe. No so. one should play the oboe. It is cursed. It is cursed. Continue, I'm Macy, Macy. Still, again, always, as you can tell by the accent, darling Perpetually. I want yes. you to tell me. What is a song that you've been listening to lately that's really been hitting you in the feels? Nice. Mm. Excellent. Well, we are three redheaded fantasy authors. And today we are taking a break from saying smart things to say many, many silly things and (laughs) answer all of your burning, burning questions, dear listeners, which you have sent to us. Congratulations on not sending them to us by smoke signal or telegraph or no one sent bird. us a picture of yeah. a bird. No one sent I'm us a really picture of their sad. bird. We're very sad and disappointed in all of you. We're not mad. We're, We're just, just disappointed. disappointed. I would but accept reptile get... pictures as like basically being birds as well. That's basically a bird. Yeah, that's basically a bird. Um, anyway, before we get into all of that <laughs> arguing about whether reptiles are birds, uh, what have we been reading, fellow servants? Can I, can I request dinosaur pictures and <laughs> splitting the difference? Yes! Excellent. Yes. Okay. Do you have a dinosaur? Please show us. All right. That. I'm going uh, to be rapid in my what I have been reading. So I have read the book When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole. Alyssa Cole is mostly a romance author, but this is her first thriller. It's a modern thriller mm. about gentrification set in a Brooklyn neighborhood with strong vibes of Get Out. It was really enjoyable. That was good. I have also done a dive into a new-to-me historical romance author, which is Sarah McLean, and I've been enjoying her Bare Knuckle Bastards series. Sort of quite tropey, quite a lot of angst, lots of really fun banter, and I'm just enjoying those as really good het historical romance. And I just finished and want to shout about... (sighs) A book that is coming out from Tor later in this year called Light from Uncommon Stars uh, by Rika Alki. This is a difficult one to describe. I've seen it pitched as Good Omens meets Becky Chambers. Ooh. And to me, it kind of is like the good parts of Tom Robbins meets TJ Mm. Klune. So it's very gentle and full of love, but also full of anger. And this book is about three women, one of whom was a brilliant violinist who agreed to sell her soul to a demon and then agreed instead to sell seven other souls so she could get her soul back. So she has been teaching teaching violin prodigies and then persuading them to sell their souls, and she needs a seventh by the end of the year so that she herself Mm. does not go to hell. 
The second character is a young trans woman who runs away from home and ends up becoming the seventh student. And the third woman is a captain of an alien spaceship fleeing an interstellar plague <laughs> who ends up on Earth running a donut shop. Amazing! It is. It's one of those books where things happen, and you just it just makes sense, even though it makes no sense. It's really <laughs> lovely. It's flows along with the prose. It has. Lots and lots of donuts in it. I never thought I would have strong feelings about donuts, but it made me incredibly hungry. Uh, and it has a very strong sense of place, a particular place in California. It's very queer. It's full of love and found family. And I think it's going to be enormous. So everybody check that out. Very Wonderful. nice. Uh, meanwhile, Macy uh, scribbled in the dot points for what have we been reading this week? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, Which, as we all know, points. is a lie. <laughs> it's, yes there were how many five exclamation five points exclamation amazing points. um yeah so that's that's where i've been i started dear listeners about like five books mm. so i'm like a hundred pages into way too many books in particular we're recording today on juneteenth on the 19th of june and so i've been reading women race and class by angela davis which is a somewhat older work on the lack of intersectionality in the early women's lib movement and mm. uh, particularly like how it left out black women and the concerns of working class women rather than and focused instead on you know white privileged women's fight for the vote and marriage equality right when these other women were like um i'm still being beaten could we maybe focus right uh, yeah at least that's the first half that i've read so far so educating myself um other than that, I fell back down an untamed fic hole. Mm, as one does. Specifically the Yi City OT3, mm-hmm. which is, you know, terrible gremlin Zhu Yang, perfect immortal Zhao Xing Chen, and dour swordsman Song Lan. Um, and I went through my bookmarks and I probably read about. 300,000 words. But like Macy so hasn't read anything. Macy has read <laughs> Macy nothing. Macy hasn't read anything. <laughs> um, but I wanted to do a particular shout out to a couple of fix from that binge, uh, including Vinculum by Scardi7 for a Star Trek body swap trans- like transporter accident mm-hmm. novella, which is great fun. And if you want a more angsty ride there is heaven has a road but no one walks it by sylvestris which is 156,000 words long and still in progress so that's fun we love that for you macy congratulations <laughs> we, you, I, I i note that you two love that for me we do and i uh, we do. i i, I <laughs> hear that and respect yes. your boundary yes <laughs> Uh, let's see. I read a couple of great things. I read uh, The Return of Fitzroy Angersell by Victoria Goddard, Ooh, which is the sequel to name. The Hands of the Emperor. Uh, it is about a gremlin who has finally been freed <laughs> from his imprisonment. And now he's on an adventure and he's going on a quest. And in the first, like, 12 pages of the book, he breaks into a tomb, convinces the gravekeeper to lend him his bicycle, and (laughs) nooms down a hill and falls face first into a bog. I love this man with all of my heart. Uh, I also read The Hands of the Emperor by Victoria Goddard for the second time. For the second time. (laughs) This has not happened to me ever. I have never read a book back to back twice in a row. 
Um, the only time I don't really rewatch things either. The last thing that this ha- the, the last time that this happened to me was with Good Omens when I watched Good Omens twelve times in a row. <laughs> okay, one second, math, Alex. I need to do some maths. At yes, nine hundred over two hundred and fifty is nine times four is 360,000 word long. 900 times four? Why 900 times four? Because there's roughly 250 words per page and there's a 900 page book. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Which means that's a 360,000 words that you've now read twice, which means that that's... Yeah. See, you do read very fast. What, when, no, I do. I do read very fast. Like, but I, it's the problem is that I have pr- trouble focusing on That's a on things. Like <laughs> when I can focus, I can whip through a book super, super fast. Um, you are as newming as Fitzroy Angusel on the bicycle. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, he's basically like Howl Pendragon. Like he has Gosh. many, many similarities to Howl Pendragon. I love him. Um, <laughs> Hands of the Emperor was just as good on the second reread as it was on the first reread. Uh, or on the first read, I cried a lot. Um, I read a. I watched a bunch of like weird, dumb History Channel quote unquote documentaries, which I am saying in <laughs> as scathing a voice as possible. They're very, very. They make me angry. Uh, and then I. <laughs> I watched. You know you don't have to watch them. Well, I was knitting and I needed something to like occupy my ears while I was knitting, and YouTube mm. just kept suggesting me things, and I kept watch like hate watching them. Um, <laughs> they were they were asking weird questions like, "Ooh, like did the Knights Templar like have a secret uh, plot to send the Holy Grail to the New World? Is that what this is about?" <laughs> and also stupid questions like. Could the Polynesians have made it to the New World? Like, yes, the Polynesians could have made it to the New World. Shut up. If you had told me, did the Polynesians make it to the moon? I'd be like, probably. I mean, wouldn't put it past them. Seems legit. Yeah. Uh, they went everywhere else. Uh, I did watch a very, very good documentary last night called Tim's Vermeer, which is about this man called Tim who sat down to figure out how Vermeer painted his paintings because they don't have sketches behind them. And he used like this sort of lens and a camera obscura and some mirrors and basically became a human camera and like like just copied down a photograph. It is mind-blowing. It's on uh, Amazon Prime and a couple other places. Please, please, please go watch it. It's incredible. And also I started reading Freya's uh, romance book, which Yay! she just finished, which is so good. It's so good. Yes. I love it so far, Freya. Thank you. I have it's not wonderful. been talking about the fact that I have been like writing a romance novel for the past five months, but I have, and it's done. <laughs> Yay. It's done. It's Yay. <laughs> now you can come good. back and write fanfic with me. <laughs> So uh, before we continue on with the episode itself, we do have a small bit of news, which is going to come, uh, I think, a little bit bittersweet uh, for all of us. Uh, After episode 100, we are going to be having an indefinite hiatus. Uh, Episode 100 is a nice round number. And I think we... Four years. Four years. I remember, I remember like walking through the streets of Boston with you, Freya, like in the first year of the podcast and thinking like, or like having a conversation with you that it would be really, really cool if we made it to episode 100. And it's so close. It's so close. It's like six months away. It's not that we haven't been enjoying the podcast because we absolutely have. It's just that uh, there's personal life stuff which maybe we want to work on or other personal projects to do in the world a lot of things to do yes yes uh and we want to explore some of those other things uh yeah so it's it's 
we will miss you very much. Uh, there may be a time sometime in the future when we come back. We don't know yet. That's the future. There may be some one-off episodes scattered here and there. Here and there. For example, yep. if Macy ever sells a book. We will come back and do a Macy, a Macy episode. 1,000 yeah. Celebration yeah. of Macy. So you'll, you can know there will at least be an episode 101. <laughs> you can hold that in your I heart. I can be the Dalmatians episode. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, uh, or maybe if The Witcher season two comes out, yeah, we could do a deep dive. I think we might like pop in to do some deep dive. I don't know. We're not yeah, going to we'll overpromise. We'll we don't really, know. darling listeners, darling listeners. I'm sure it will come as no surprise to say that we don't exactly have a plan. We don't have a plan. We're like, let's just. Since get... when have we had a plan? We're not. We're not the chicks with the plan. No, no. Um, I-, I resent that just... statement. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Freya, Freya is the only snake with a plan. Freya, darling dear Freya, yes. what are we doing? We are, uh, now that we are 12 and a half minutes into the episode. Oh God. Oh God, we should probably have an episode. No, Macy has an important announcement Oh yes. First. Oh dear. Oh yes, the second announcement. <laughs> this is a very quick one. See, Macy, we have plans, but then things happen <laughs> then to the plans. <laughs> Let's be honest, then Macy happens. Macy yeah. happens um, to the plan. Then Macy happens to the plans. Dear listeners, it is important that you know that because this is an extravaganza, we're working in a different G-Doc than usual, which doesn't know who we are. Yep. And thus, today, Freya is the anonymous dingo, Alex is the anonymous buffalo, and Macy is the anonymous narwhal, according to Google Drive. Very Thank good. you, Google Drive. And that was important for you to understand. Thank you. Freya is going to be asking our first question of the extravaganza today. Please, Please take it away, Freya. <laughs> Ah, thank you. Thank you. Now we take refuge in soothing dot points that are pre-prepared. All right. Our first question comes from Hunt for Achievements on Tumblr. And they asked, if you could have any author write a fic for any fandom of your choice, who would it be and what fandom would they write in? I want C.S. Pacat to write me some Nirvana in Fire fanfic. Ooh. Am I right or am I right? Mm. That is a good answer. Yes. That would be because just like the angst... I feel like she really has the chops to both do the angst and the like yearning and the action scenes. Mm, mm-hmm. mm, mm, mm. Mm, yes. That would be a very, very, very good fic. Alex? <laughs> um, I mean, I will read pretty much any fanfic that famous fanfic author Faye writes. Um, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really we looking really forward to some that. of that. I'm really looking oh, yeah. forward to, to some. And what fan do you heard. think this writer I, should write in? Alex? I think Faye should write some untamed, untamed fic. Yeah, the untamed, obviously the untamed. I think, course. or maybe some James Bond fic. Or maybe like, could, could there be like a, <laughs> a way to do a crossover between James Bond and the untamed? <laughs> only like famous fusion. Only famous fanfic author Faye could possibly figure out something that cool. I am being personally attacked. <laughs> Because my fellow sevens know what I am meant to be working on at the moment and are ruthlessly wielding it against me. I am tempted to just close the document and never open it again out of petty spite. But no, I am going to finish writing this. What would you ask for? Yes. Honestly, when I first read this question, I thought they meant fic author and not any author. Mm. But on reflection, the answer I came up with, I still really like. So I would like fic author Saperis who mm. is the author of Down to Agincourt, to write mm. a very long Word of Honor fic for me. Mm. Possibly a modern AU, possibly like a through the mm. ages thing, but I feel that they could do a really good job of like really hot sexual tension, but also very funny dialogue and also yep. just like s- the slow tension of knowing someone really well mm. is something that That's they do fair. very well. Nice. Then if we're talking fic authors as well as published authors, 
I would kill for more Maldoroth in virtually any gremlin-centric fandom. <laughs> gremlin mm. fandoms. Nice, nice. I guess it's now my turn yep. to ask a question, which comes to us from Cupescent on Tumblr. How have your tastes in media, fic, and tropes changed since you were younger snacks? Here's the funny thing. They haven't a lot. Because one of the very first... Uh, uh, pieces of uh, stories. One of the very first stories that I ever remember writing uh, was about this princess and her handmaiden, and they answered fan mail, and then they went to court and like heard complaints from the peasants. And so, like, I was like seven years old, and I was already like deeply into the fealty thing. Um, yep. Yeah. That's so. I feel. I feel like the way that my tastes have changed most is actually just like learning more about what I like. And learning mm. how to sort of find that thing and, like, distill it down into, like, its purest form. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that when I was younger, I read quite broadly and I read a lot of things that I didn't really enjoy. Like, they were fine because when you're young, you just sort of, like, shove everything in your brain, right? You just, like, shove mm -hmm. it in your mm -hmm. brain. Um, and now that I'm older, I'm getting better at, like, finding, like, the exact thing that I like. Hmm. I think I've sort of had... I'm trying to think of the shape. I haven't quite gotten narrower as I've gotten older. I think, if anything, I have become broader. So I read a lot mm. of fantasy when I was younger and sought out a lot of fantasy. Uh, and as I've gotten older, I've read more literary fiction. I've read more thrillers. I've read more mysteries. I've started to read romance. I've started to read horror. So I think I've learned what I like, but I've learned that what I like is a little bit more broad. Mm. And certainly I think the kind of tropes that I seek out have remained the same, but I have become more self-aware about that. So I used to really enjoy particular, not particularly great fantasies and sci-fi books because they had, you know, a small scrap of romance was being thrown to me. And I was like, oh yes, this is the one that I want. I'm not really enjoying half the world building, but oh good, give me this relationship. Mm -hmm. And now I have learned that you can just read romance or fanfic. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Macy? I think for me, I think I just filled my quota of men. That's mm. a mood as well. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, as a kid, I read a lot of McCaffrey, which gave me some women, which was great. But also I read a lot of David Eddings, a lot of Robert Jordan, a lot of Raymond Feist, mm. because those had the sorts of adventures that I wanted. And as I got a bit older and I started finding people like Janny Wirtz and the um, Isavalta books by Sarah Zettel, mm. I started to realize that you could actually have those sorts of adventures and rich fantasy world building without the fuckboys. Yeah, yeah. And then as I got into my 20s, I started learning more and paying more attention to racism in the works I was enjoying as well. And so now there's just a lot richer availability of works by people who are aware and thinking about those things mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of a thing now I think if I were to pick up some of the stuff I loved as a kid just because it was in volume um, I would find it pretty distasteful yeah. um, in some ways mm, yeah. and so I guess that's kind of an evolution of taste but also a lot of the long adventure stuff that I really love I get in my Naruto long fic, I get in my Persona 5 long fic, I found ways to find it in fandom, yep. where it is less likely to reproduce some of the more noxious um, background radiation mm. of sexism, racism, homophobia, etc. Mm, mm, so, mm. 
Very good. So basically, we have all changed and we have all stayed the same. Um, uh, the next question comes from us. A anonymous person emailed us. My sister wants to read FF romances for adults. Do you all, Freya, have any suggestions? <laughs> Freya, we will be uh, taking a break real quick while you answer this question. I'm, I'm going to go get a I'm cup, of, go tea, make a cup so. of tea. Sure. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, so I don't need to be very fast then. No, I no, you do need fast. to be fast. <laughs> I'm going to just give this a beautiful little lightning list. I'm not going to say much about any of these books, but most of these are historical romances. So Olivia Waite's Feminine Pursuits series. There are now three of them out. The first one is The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics. Uh, Janelle M. Ferreira's book, The Covert Captain, which has a girl undercover who falls yes. in love with her, her um, you know, superior commanding officer's sister. K.J. Charles' <laughs> uh, Proper English is her lovely set at a manor house full of unpleasant people, ladies falling in love at a shooting party. Courtney Milan's book, Mrs. Martin's Incomparable Adventure, is about older ladies falling in love and getting revenge on a terrible nephew. Very enjoyable. <laughs> I haven't read as much contemporary FF, but two of Alyssa Cole's modern romances are FF. Those are How to Find a Princess and Once Ghosted, Twice Shy. Hmm. There. Done. Ta-da! Very nice. Ta-da. Many romance. Yes, many, many romance. romance. Um, so we had another question from the same Anon. How do you make and find writing community for original fiction? So where do you find collaborators, colleagues, and co-conspirators? Serendipity. Street corners? Street corners. Yeah, that's the same answer. Street corners and serendipity. Right, because like... Mean, okay, so you, take you just kind of put yourself out there mm-hmm. and meet people. And the thing is that you have to meet a lot of fucking people because chemistry is unpredictable. Yes, mm. yes, yes. It's like dating. Yeah, it really, really is. And yeah. it's just like, oh, And it took me a couple several years of actively rummaging and looking to find these two particular gremlins mm-hmm. right here <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry freya is only a gremlin on sundays it happens to be yeah. sunday here hey. there you go <laughs> hey. but alex you were saying something too yeah just i think that basically i was gonna say the same thing that that you said macy because we met by chance on twitter because we had a mutual Mm -hmm. friend who was like oh you like this thing i think it was about hope punk right uh and we just kind of like started talking getting to know each other and like when you click with someone you click uh so yeah i think you you put yourself out there uh you should be like writing in the background so that like when you find a writer person to make friends with you can do the uh the elaborate ritual of friend making with writers by throwing your work at their head and they throw their work at your head and then you say nice things about each other um <laughs> I must admit, I'm, in terms of like exact spaces to do this online right. I, I don't think i have any much in the way of useful suggestions i know that there are in-person writing groups but that's very much yeah. in the you just have i've to never take had a chance i've never and had good some people in that group might suit you as critique partners or writing yeah. community and some people in the group might not and i think that's something you don't know until you try yeah. Most of my current writing community did come out of fandom, and it's literally just people that I had known in fandom for years and years and years, and we all sort of started to shift towards writing original fiction at the same time. Mm. And because we were used to reading each other's work and knew each other quite well, we had a little inbuilt group of critique partners and people who could cheerlead. Mm-hmm. So I found my writing community in fandom, and then we all began to shift slightly towards original at the same time, and, but we kept writing fanfic as well. Yeah. 
Well, and so if you are looking, um, workshops can do some of this. Local ones, library-run ones, NaNoWriMo write-ins. I made friends with Freya on Tumblr. I made friends with Alex on Twitter. I made friends with other people in in-person conventions. Um, my girlfriend really likes the Codex Writers Forum. If you are qualified for that, if you've made any sale at all, you can join Codex and make friends there. I think one of the things just to say is you may meet people who you think are super cool. They don't have any obligation to reciprocate. So that's something to just be a little bit careful of. Sometimes in writing circles, it can yes. feel like, oh, you must be my friend because we both write. And, mm. you know, friendship doesn't always work. And that I will way. say a couple of the writing or publishing focused podcasts that I listen to mm. have mm -hmm. listener communities on Slack or yes. Discord. Sometimes those are Patreon locked and sometimes they're not. Uh, but a lot of those people who are trying to put content out that is designed to help aspiring writers will have some kind of inbuilt group for listeners to find one another and to work together. Ah, many, many ways, dear listeners, many ways. Yes. Now, we have a small smorgasbord of questions yes. from a listener named Jen. Uh, and the first of these are, is, are, how does first is. The first is, cool, <laughs> Macy is doing well on the brain Nailed it. today. <laughs> yeah, hashtag. Okay, <sighs> do you find you have character types you tend to repeat in your writing or characters you springboard off into new iterations? Well, I am working very hard at all times to try not to put Lyman in everything. But unfortunately, <laughs> the Lyman character... <laughs> Is a, is a classic archetype for a reason and does keep showing up in various iterations. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I must admit, I like a charming bookish person. Yeah. Gremlin. No, really? You? Gremlin. Yeah. Very much gremlin. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you can, you can do plus or Charismatic minus. Charismatic chaos. Yeah. But you can do plus or minus the charming and just have someone who's bookish and clever. And then you can mm -hmm. do plus or minus the bookish and just have a charismatic chaos gremlin. So I think as, as long as you start adding and subtracting key elements, you'll end yeah. up with someone who is quite different to make a basis. But unfortunately, yep. Yep. that archetype is a little bit ingrained by now. Yeah. Uh, and of course, for me, uh, I infamously love a sad crying boy. You do. Um, <laughs> you have another type, though. Do I? The ladies. Yes. Oh yeah, like badass generals and like like badass yeah. military women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be possibly be doing a game to talk about one of those later on. Uh, <laughs> Love that, Macy. I. What about you? What's your like archetype or trope? So, at the moment, just because she's been living in my head for so long, I keep going back to hyper competent engineer Butch. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Kiara yeah. and Brenadine and but that's not really how I work. A lot of the times when I start a new project, I set myself a dare of writing a totally different character type than I have before. Mm. So I have an entire novel written from the point of view of can I write with a character who wants to have no agency, who is kind of depressed and wants everything to go away. Mm. Yeah. Um, or I, I will set myself a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, but if I ever fingers crossed, knock on wood, sell Catalyst, dear listeners, you're invited on a scavenger hunt to go figure out which character is Yuri Plazetsky. <laughs> I feel like when I think of Macy character, I think queer woman with bubbling anger. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily well, visible, but simmering that's, away. 
that's that's a later question, Freya. We're we're that's gonna true. get to the to the roasting Macy a little uh-huh. bit later. The next <laughs> the next question: Have you done or considered doing a writing collaboration, such as an RPG or multi-author story together? Why or why not? Well, <laughs> we were in. talking for a while. This was like years we ago. We were talking. Yeah, this was like three years ago. Yeah. God, what is time? But we were talking about possibly putting together a serial and we'll talk about it now because i think it's fairly unlikely at this point we're at the going moment to. Yeah, yeah i think we've yeah. kind of moved past it yeah but that was set in sort of a second world fantasy modeled after the decadent dying french empire mm. um called the salon in yes. which we would have various characters who would be interacting in this sort of magical collection of sparkling young things presided over by a very charismatic older woman who was manipulating everything around her yes 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 like she i remember that there was like something where like she and the empress were like pretending to that they weren't on good terms yes because like they were actually they were actually secret or or i don't remember if they were lovers or if they were just like best friends and like the woman who owned the salon was like actually like the head of her spies uh for the empress Mm -hmm. um yeah there was some like good it was like very much like court intrigue like very very heavy on the court yeah Uh, yeah very heavy on intrigue with a lot of fashion and a lot of young people desperately writing poetry that they want to be noticed yes yes, tangled tangled romances and everybody figuring out who they are and yeah class nonsense yes yes all right next question from that lot if you could choose one element that comes to mind or stands out when you think about each other's writing what would it be we have to roast Freya first. Okay. Do it. So, Hit me. Go. it. So I feel like we should say like one nice thing about each other's work and then one like roasting each other thing. <laughs> um, I feel that's too organized. You think that's too organized? Okay. Well, we'll just like throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks then. There we go. Um, so a thing that I really like is Freya's turns of phrase. Freya just has mm, like this. I was just thinking of that. The metaphors. Freya just has these amazing, amazing metaphors and they're never too heavy. And they're never too light they're always exactly right and they're just like these perfectly engineered jewels of metaphors that make me stop and go let me eat your brain let me just eat your brain freya let me eat your brain Mm -hmm. Uh, and also just a really deft hand at handling tension Mm. yes like it always is exactly where you want it to be like it's really clear freya that when you're making a scene that the arc of it is exactly the shape that you want it to be right that the eye is being drawn to the right part of the picture Yes. But very and highly engineered. Very highly engineered, I think. That is very interesting because definitely the metaphor thing is something that I do work on. And my finished product has about a third of the number of metaphors that turn up in the first draft. <laughs> and I go through and then I have to go, okay, let me pull out the two thirds of these that aren't quite as good or aren't working as well. Because mm-hmm. that's one that's thing that my brain does in drafting is just the metaphor, 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 metaphor. And then I have to painstakingly go through and de-metaphor the prose yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's fine it's, uh, it is throwing spaghetti at the wall you just pick the best yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh also very good at feelings and and i think you have a strong focus on feelings this is not actually turning into a roast um the problem roast. is the problem is here i'll roast freya the the problem with freya's writing is that you can't find anything to roast about it <laughs> please oh, no. be 
Please be more human, Freya. Come on, Macy. Save the roasting. Let's see. I'm trying to think. Well, because we we met because you were trying to cut things out of stories. Yes. So that's a thing I know that you, you struggle with. So it's like, Freya, is this scene doing anything but it's, it's gorgeous pretty. it feels nice <laughs> but is it doing anything mm, mm, yes um and i know that's like i think that that's a thing then that like you've i've been watching you get better at as you learn as you write more books is managing so tension on the scene level amazing love it the arc across an act harder yes right Mm-hmm. Is like figuring out how to have enough going on, but not too much going on, that there's a pace that kind of pulls you through, that the whole book has that energy. Mm, and that's definitely something I'm still working on. I mean, I get to the end of my first drafts and go, mm, I mean, it's the right shape, but some of the <laughs> arms of the shape are a bit saggy. Like, yep. it's like, trying it's to be octopus. a beautiful octagon, but it looks a little bit like somebody dropped a jellyfish, you know. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, shall we okay, roast, roast Macy? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh God, Freya gets the pick. Freya. All right. Well, I do want to talk about Macy's wonderful oh, God. people because I love, I love Macy's Macy's character work a lot. Mm. Mm. Like you always get this wonderful sense that the, that the characters have got this rich inner life. That they have a really complicated backstory. They have an interesting future ahead of them, and everybody in the scene has got an interesting life, even if they're only saying two words. Like, they feel very, very well lived in, your, your stories. Yes, yes. Um, Macy also spends um, a lot of time on making the world building, like, really textured. Um, like, you, mm. I think you're quite interested in, like, material culture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like like fabrics and, and, like, the kinds of blacksmithing that Kiara is doing <laughs> and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, and jewelry, and it always feels very rich for that reason. Um, you also, I just like, but the thing that I think I like best about your work is that you always have these just cool concepts. Like you are constantly coming up with these just like amazing, neat concepts that are. I stop clapping your hands to your face. Yeah, you're being right there at me. I'm putting up with it, but you can't make me not make faces. Okay, okay, make your faces. Make your faces, Macy. Um, yeah, like Squid Necromancy, for example. Like, <laughs> who the fuck would come up with an idea like Squid Necromancy? It's Macy would. It's Bob's fault. Yeah, it's right there in the song "Glitter and Gold." It is sure. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I mean, it's is, not. is that where we move on to the roasting of oh, Macy? God. Yeah, this is a little bit roasting. Is not and plot. <laughs> song is not and plot, Macy. As we keep telling, False. Macy will Fake do this. News. Macy will do this thing where she'll like slide into her agent's DM and be like, I thought of a new book and just like link her to a YouTube song and her (laughs) poor agent has to be like, this is not a book, Macy. Macy's like, yes, it is. It's all there. Uh, Macy also uh, doesn't write anything except sad lesbians. Just sad lesbians, (laughs) wall to wall. Angry lesbians. There's also angry lesbians. That's true. They're not very sad. No. No. But that's true. Simmering angry lesbians. I might buy women. Woolawoos. Woolawoos. W-L-W's. Woolawoos. That's true. Woolawoos. Anyway. Yes. some men. I just don't point of view them. Right. Yeah, they exist. They exist. They're there doing things, I guess. But we're really concerned about the ladies. Sad dad. Has like a sad dad denouement. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I like the dad. 
He's a great character. That's he's good. good boy. He's very good. Yes. Yeah. Good boy. Hit me. I can take it. Oh, Alex, I really love the like fabric of your world. Mm. I think that one of the things that you've really developed in having all of your stuff kind of set in the same world is just this massive interwoven legend and sets of cultures and the ways that they interact and interweave is super cool i really love that yes i think that that is the first thing that comes to mind but the second and i'm thinking just because i have recently read the new draft of golden iron Mm. is that i think your dialogue has gotten so much better Mm. like each book that you've that you have written i think the dialogue has gotten snappier and funnier and more revealing about character Mm. and it's great in the most recent book Thank you. Thank you. I think that I think I would agree with that, especially. Um, I think that I've also like, I've noticed this more in my fan fiction recently. I think I've inherited a lot of your metaphors, Freya, just because (laughs) I'm so focused on them all of the time. I'm like, I I want that. And so I'm just like, like, please just siphon 20% off the top. Like I'm desperately trying to like eat Freya's brain by whatever means I can. Amazing. That's a mood. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we do a lot of Alex roasting on the regular anyway, but That's now I'm true, like trying true. to think of something more specific. I mean, the sad crying boys are there. Sure. <laughs> sure, yes. There, there, are more, there, there are more character types under God, Horatio. <laughs> than a sad crying boy? I disagree. Uh, that's, not, that's not true. I also write a like charming rake. I enjoy a charming rake and a... Mm. Um, to make the sad boy cry. Sometimes, sometimes, or to like be there to like sort of pat him on the shoulder and be like, "There, there." I'm not supposed to be roasting myself, but there you have it. <laughs> I mean, we enjoy a sad crying boy, but I am looking forward to you branching out into other character archetypes. Yes, 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 yes. Stabby ladies for the win. Shall we? But, okay, yes. I shall because we have spent a little while on this question. Move us along mm-hmm. swiftly to the next question, which is autodidact. Emailed us. The question, if you were a vizier to an emperor, Alex, what sort of vizier would you be and what sort of advice would you give? This was not actually directed at Alex. I'm just thinking of Alex's adoration for emperors recently. Yes, yes. Um, I think this might have been a person from the Hands of the Emperor Discord that I started. (laughs) I was like, hey, come please ask us questions. I'll give you like cookies if you ask us questions that I can answer with Hands of the Emperor. Um, Anyway. Uh, but which one would I be? I'm not, let me, give me a moment to think. Freya, do you have okay, an answer Freya. for this? What I would be, well, I feel like depending on the type of empire, it would be one that wants to stay alive and keep her job. Yeah, <laughs> so sure. I yep. feel like it, I would not be one of the viziers who's attempting to undermine the emperor. I would actually be attempting to give good advice and prove that I should remain in my position of power and have all the beautiful robes. But I don't know exactly what kind of advice I would be giving. You know the vizier that I would model myself off of that we've read recently? Hmm. Is the main character of Hench. Oh. Mm. She's pretty good. Yes, prove your worth. Yeah, Yeah. but like spreadsheets and personnel development and team formation. Yeah. Oh, yes. See, that's that's, that's a useful answer. That's like what kind of advice you'd actually be good at. I don't know... I don't think I'd be very good at personal You're good personnel at professional development. It's your job, Freya. I know. Professional <laughs> development. Education, yes. I would do a lot of, like, giving little fun presentations and stories to help feed the emperor things they need to know in yes, bite-sized pieces. 
there you go. There we there go. There you go. Chant-shaped uh, vizier. Yeah. And I think that I might be, like, probably focused on, like, arts and culture. And, mm. like, because I'm really good at, like, recommending books to people. And, like, like I am doing my best work when I get to be, like, enthusiastic about So you would be like, the official this, vizier this in, cool. in front... In, sorry. You would be the official vizier in charge of the bedside stack of books for the yes. emperor. Yes. Just yes. keep sliding <laughs> yes. That's, I mean, that's a shockingly large amount of power. Yeah. Honestly, it is. Because, like, you can, like, slip... So, like, I'm kind of... I'm, like, in league with Freya. And, like, together we, like, slip things Quietly into... Quietly the... feeding in socialism. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what if you didn't oppress your populace? <gasps> Here's a book... Here's three books about oppressive emperors dying horribly. <laughs> Anyway, uh, what idea for a story slash book do you think one of your fellow serpents should write? Yes, Squid necromancy. Squid necromancy. Squid necromancy. Oh, go away. Squid yes. necromancy. <laughs> oh, fine. You guys beat me to it because I was putting my hands up like a polite young lady. But yes, I will at some point write the fucking necromantic regency heist. Oh, it's going to be so Squid good. necromancy. Oh, yes. Necromancy and squid. I am demanding... Mm. Alex's pirate book. Yes, yes I would love to write threesomes. my pirate book. Yes, pirate, pirate threesomes. threesomes. Pirate threesomes. There's a there's a badass pirate queen and a sort of slinky poet slash spy who I've found out is like a he's like touched by a god of luck of some sort, and then like a sad crying boy who is a cleric, but this time he's like beefy and has Captain America shoulders. Okay. Oh, a beefy sad crying <laughs> boy. A beefy sad, beefy, sad oh my, crying as boy. As opposed to willowy. Yes. I feel like weeping boys yep. should be willowy. Look, I feel like that is branching out for Alex and that should be a encouraged. Branching. Thank you. But Thank you. Freya, I demand from you, my theme is threesomes. I demand mm-hmm. the fake Snow White threesome. See, the fake Snow White threesome exists in draft form. And I know, it and I love be... it. And it needs to be torn to shreds and done from the ground up. It does, I know. and it sounds like so much work. Someday, <laughs> even if it's 20 years from now, I will have the badass murder queen mm. and her boys. Mm. Uh, yes. the, the thing here is that uh, Freya and I were unanimous <laughs> about what, what Macy should write. Uh, and Macy and Freya were unanimous about what I should write. Macy and I are but, not unanimous about I, what Freya I should write. I a divergence of opinion. We, we because <laughs> why? Because I desperately need Freya to write her gay space spies novella. Because <gasps> your gay space spies short story is one of my favorite short stories. And I love it more than I love anything on this godforsaken earth. And I would love to read more of that. <sighs> I, have, I, I never thought I would be a novella writing person, but now I have at least four ideas for Amazing. novellas. That That's what happens when you hang working. out around Macy. Yeah, I think it's I contagious. I think... It's Emily's fault. Yeah. So we're all catching novellas from Macy and metaphors from me mm. and sad crying boys, probably, from Yay. Alex. <laughs> I am never going to catch a sad crying boy. We'll get you Ooh, there. That we'll sounds like a there. challenge. <laughs> God damn it. Now I'm going to have to go and think about what would I do with a sad crying boy. You're going to loop yourself into it. Just I, would just tie him in corner him. I would just tie him up and gag him and stick him in a cell is what I would do with a sad crying boy. I dare you to do it, Macy. <laughs> Hang him upside down from the top of the spacecraft until All the right. aliens well, use him as bait. Just, anyway. On. For our next question, Christy emailed in. And said, I'm doing a lot of thinking about character relationships and techniques for making them particularly compelling. So not just romantic ones, but friendships, parent and child, main character and villain. And it would be fun to hear our thoughts on this topic. 
I have so many opinions. I also have so many opinions. Would you like to start? I think one of my key tips for showing a relationship, generally with my protagonist or my point of view character that is important, Mm. not just a random ass stranger, is to think about how my main character is different around different people. Mm. What part of herself does she show to... What part of Kiara does she show to her mother that she doesn't show with her cousin that she's fucking around with in the forge, right? Um, How does she change um, and how do they bounce off each other? That's one of the things that I think about. Mm, mm. Mm -hmm. I think um, about, like, relatable feelings, right? So, like, we are compelled by a character when we feel their excitement as our excitement or their um, frustration as our frustration. And so Mm. finding ways to make the reader relate to them in that sense. uh, And you can do that a lot by showing them the stakes of whatever Mm -hmm. the protagonist is facing um, or, like, how they are reacting to, to situations. Making it about relationships, then, is that you do the same thing, Right. It, it works on the same principle because you're showing like the stakes of their relationship and you're showing like the hmm. stakes of like when you're making a friendship with someone, right? What are the relatable feelings of that? Well, you start out by having the, the uncertainty, right? And the slow building of a friendship and the ways in which you have to take risks on being vulnerable to someone in order to build that. And so, like, Mm. showing those emotional journeys in more greater detail, I think, makes things more compelling, at least for me. I think so. Yeah. It's like almost like you have an arc of a scene. Yeah. uh, You want an important relationship, and not every relationship in your book needs this, but important ones to be dynamic. Yes. To have shifts and breakpoints and to be affected by the choices that the characters make. Mm. That makes sense. Yep. Mm. Freya, did you have thoughts? Yeah, I've been thinking about how you can make a relationship, even one that appears very briefly, feel mm. lived in. And it's to do mm-hmm. with point, shared points of reference. So yeah. I've just come off writing a contemporary romance novel and the character has a like a group chat with her best friend who's a cousin and her sister. She talks to her parents. She talks to the best friend who is the love interest. She talks to lots of different people. And exactly as Macy said, she's a slightly different version of herself with all these people but not to a great extent like she is pretty consistent but you can make a lot of history appear by just like Mm -hmm. a very short shared in joke or a reference Mm -hmm. to something Mm -hmm. or that they have shared in the past and if you can think about small very concrete details like what would something that a parent and child would immediately share or what's something that you would um, be able to rely on and make a joke about you know, with a friendship, what would they tease each other about? Right. It can give you a sense of history in a very small space. That's wonderful. Right. That's a good answer. I think that's definitely something, yeah, just think, thinking back to, to Catalyst, this is definitely something I, I do a lot, where Kiara has a thing where her mother always mispronounces Molten, mm. and she is annoyed by it, and that's one of the notes in the first conversation. So you, you see that they've had this repeatedly. Yeah, that's uh, a perfect example. Mm. and she's just like it's not melted mum it's molten you know that because i've told you 500 times yeah. um and that's what i and that's what i meant by relatable right because like we we've all had, as you say we've all been oh, there we've all had that conversation with our parents yep okay but uh we have a few more questions to get through and this means it's the time for the lightning round yes. where we have questions that are for one of us mm-hmm. uh from ellen who has sent us three questions very kindly thank so, you ellen Ellen asks Freya, um, is it hard to manage your writing and reading and actively practicing medicine schedule? Short answer, yes. <laughs> Slightly longer. 
slightly longer answer. And your skating schedule. And my skating and schedule. And your wine tasting schedule. Oh, of course. That's very important. The, the wine tasting is very, very important. <laughs> uh, the slightly longer answer is that I don't work full time. I have two mm. different medical jobs. They don't take up quite a full nine till five Monday through Friday week. So I do have some time off in the week. And I often do have quite a lot of things on on the weekend. But there is always time. I'm quite lucky I do have time that I can fit the writing and the reading into and so I think as long as I am organized and have the energy then I can get everything done that I want to get done but Mm. getting the organization to happen and occasionally you come home and are like well actually that was an incredibly tiring morning in family medicine I don't actually have the energy to write this afternoon. I need to nap for two hours and then read a romance novel. And then maybe I'll have some energy at like six o'clock that night. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's about swapping things in and out as you, mm, and it's about self-knowledge and and trial and error and working out what works for me. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Macy, this question is also from Ellen. Macy, what are a few of your favorite, very fandom specific tropes uh, or fanon or expected beats that don't transfer out of the one fandom that they started in? So, I read across so many fandoms that I'm going to actually take it up to the meta level and talk in general about the type of thing that I love and look for, Mm. which is there's a Doctor Who concept of fixed points in space and time, right? And I find that as you start reading AUs or longer fix in a particular fandom, you quickly come to learn what are the pivot points, the fixed points in time in that fandom that all long fix will reference. So in Naruto, it's the Chunin exams. Mm-hmm. Um, in Persona 5, it's Akechi being shot. Um, I would imagine that if I were to read a lot more of Queen's Gambit, I would learn about key tournaments that were pivots for the main character that would become these fixed points in fandom. And most of the time, I'm not watching canon. So I'm kind of picking these up by looking at the intersections between various fic. And I really love that and love seeing different authors' takes on these same. And they're usually very character-focused, very intense scenes or moments from canon that authors want to touch on and reinterpret. Mm. And I just think that's really, really cool what different people take from that. Very cool. Cool. And the final question from Ellen is a very brief question. opportunity for Alex to have a textiles corner. corner. (laughs) Alex, when you are starting new felt work projects, how do you decide what textile or medium to put it in? So I'm assuming that Ellen means fiber art projects rather than felt Mm. work. I know how to do felting, um, but I don't do it much. Like I know the technique of it. I've made a small, tiny Mm. little thing. Um, If I were called upon to felt a thing, I could figure out how to do it um but i do mostly knitting or sewing uh so i decide a lot of what the way that i decide is like what i'm in the mood to do like am i in the mood to do more knitting or am i in the mood to do more sewing um sometimes i think about like well what do i want to what media do i want to consume while i do this because i can (laughs) i can read a book and knit at the same time um or I can certainly like watch a TV show and knit at the same time. Uh, it's harder mm, to do that with. It's very, so- it's very touching. It's very yeah thing. yeah, and it's it's so repetitive. Like I can right. I can split my focus uh, with sewing. That's harder to do. Uh, sewing, I pretty much have to be listening to something that's audio only, so a podcast hmm. or an audiobook. book. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, and then textile, like what textile I want to do also depends on like what I have available or what the project is for and whether I want to be able to wash it or whether it's going to be more of a display piece. And then that gets into all sorts of like, like technical factors of like, how is this item going to be used? Yeah. And whether you're concerned about the baby catching fire. And whether you're concerned about the baby catching fire, right? Because you don't want to use... <laughs> I feel like I have missed a reference here. So so <laughs> you shouldn't use, like, acrylic yarns for, like, baby blankets. Because they, if, like, if they catch fire, they melt. And you. They... you shouldn't use wool because you can't wash it and baby things need to be washable. Well, there's super wash wool, so you can, yeah. But... Cotton, so something essentially, that... Freya and dear listeners, there is a long-running uh, battle in the knitting fandom about whether babies catching fire is enough of a reason to make blankets for them only out of wool. Right. Because most babies, most babies are not fucking X-Men. Yeah. And do not spontaneously combust. Com- <laughs> baby is probably not going to be that near fire. Probably. One hopes. One hopes. Anyway, Anyway, we have one last question. I think it's Macy's. We have one last question. It is. I am going to ask. um, I am. Oh, God. I'm going to say this wrong. Ah. Mel B asks, and we want to know if you're a Spice Girl, by the way. Mel B, please phone in and sing to us. Oh, by the way, this question was sent to us for the episode, I believe, 70 Extravaganza. Mm -hmm. It was sent a little bit late for the deadline. So congratulations, Mel B. Congratulations. Got an episode question. You are our lotto winner. (laughs) Our lotto winner. What is the nichest, I don't go here, I just read the fic thing you've read? Mm. Mm. I read quite a bit of Teen Wolf fanfic. I have never watched a single Teen Wolf ever, teen ever, Wolf ever. Fanfic is not niche. Mm. No, I mean, I... if you've never, if you've never, but... like watched it. Okay, so I feel like niche is very individual, right? And so, like, if Teen Wolf That's is not fair. a thing that Freya would generally be into or has have any interest in consuming, then that would be yeah. Niche it feels for Freya. niche to me yeah. because it's yeah, like, it's the fair. most. I'm the I'm the furthest from the canon. Yeah, I think for me, I think that we all can remember that time that I spent six weeks of reading nothing but Dragon Age Inquisition fanfic for every waking hour of the day. And I feel like that's all that I need to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Macy went and filtered her 660 AO3 bookmarks down to only those fandoms that had no more than two fix bookmarked. Mm. There was still 118 fics. Macy is using a different definition of niche than we yeah, are. Yeah, niche is like not much read by you. Right. Niche, well, that is oh, that's not a... much. Those are like my ones that yeah, I Yeah, it's niche for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, niche for yes, you. Niche okay. for you. Yes, yes. But there's like tennis RPF in there and like Ranma one half in there. Yeah. And nothing but niche. Like criminal minds <laughs> in there. There's just a lot, a lot of things. Yes. I will read. And I mean, I would argue that the fic that we did for our games tentpole was pretty niche. I don't think any of us have read more than one fic in that fandom, and it's that fic. It's that fic, yep. Which was for <laughs> Queen's Gambit. Yes. Which, what was the name of the fic that we were listening to? Yeah. Watch, but for me, oh. like, I don't go here, I just read the fic, implies that you haven't actually consumed the canon. Freya consumed the canon because Freya is an overachiever. I also yes. consumed the canon because I was interested Amazing. in it. Okay, no. so for me, since that was a very niche. I've <laughs> not very consumed niche. the canon. Yeah. yeah. We, we read a romance novel. It was great. We yes. will link it. I will try to remember what it's called and fail. We but can look it up. We yeah. have... It's called You Wait and You Wonder Who'll Take on Your Odds. 
There we there go. There we go. We have yeah. just enough time, I think. Yes, to fit I in think so. A game. A yes, game. So we we love our our little character game. So uh, as is tradition, I have asked each person on this podcast to pick two of their own characters. I have arranged them into pairs, uh, and Alrighty. the prompt that I have come up with for this game is if. Oh, and also Macy will be drawing a card from her deck of cards to uh, tell us like a item that is involved somehow or something interesting to incorporate into this. So the prompt is, if these two characters went on a weekend getaway, what would they be doing or where would they be going? Uh, so the first two characters are Freya's Edwin from A Marvelous Light. And who deserves a vacation. Who deserves yes. a vacation. And Macy's Miss Virginia Worthing, who is a zombie, I hear, from Macy's Gothic. A revenant amalgam of a dozen murdered young ladies. Yes. So, and what is the, what is the card that you are drawing for them? Um, they, I'm going to go with either a workshop or an invention. Mm. Ooh. I mean, this is very, I think Edwin is very bad at taking holidays. I think mm. he has to be persuaded to take holidays, and even there, he will be thinking you know, about things. I know exactly where these two are going on vacation. Where mm -hmm. are they going? They're going to go investigate something together, like Poirot does when he goes on vacation. Yes, <laughs> it starts <laughs> as murder. vacation, and then right, immediately a mystery. Fun, yes. But, like, it's a mystery that, like, maybe there's a murder, but it doesn't, it's not, like, a problem for either of them, you know? So it's relaxing. That's true. Recreational mystery solving. Yeah, well, Edwin does enjoy solving hunting. puzzles. It's one of his, like, key character things. Mm. So he would be persuaded that he should go and have a nice, quiet getaway. He would bring an entire trunk of books and yep. then immediately yep. stumble across a puzzle and be like, yes, thank God, something to do. Okay, I say that these two have gone on a vacation to a Mediterranean island somewhere mm -hmm. and have stumbled across a stolen invention or an ominous invention of some sort and they are off investigating while their loved ones are sitting exasperatedly going, but there's a beach! Mm. Oh, it's right yes. there! <laughs> that would be Wonderful. absolutely correct. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Uh, Macy, draw the item first this time for the next pair. Oh, oh god. Well, the thing is that I have four of them, and I normally try to pick when I know oh. a little bit more, but let's find out. Okay. Um, I I'm just gonna find something that makes sense. Oh! Oh, cool! Amazing! Yes? Um, these are going on a vacation to a war or a battleground. Okay. Um, the two <laughs> characters are my, uh, pirate queen, Captain Tevery Mescavan. And Macy's Brenadine Iridium. <laughs> oh, I God. Like... <laughs> so Brenadine Iridium is my space books protagonist. She is a vacuum engineer who is in the middle of a little apocalypse right now and mm. is kind of stressed and could do with a vacation. Who is yours? Uh, mine is a badass pirate queen. And Love uh, yeah, and she's... Just like, cool, I don't know that much about her uh, at this point. So this is kind of like exploratory for me. Um, I think that this is like kind of a historical landmark battleground that they are going to. Um, you think? I was almost one doesn't really go they get to caught in something. Well, they go on vacation and get caught in something. Okay, we're we very can, bad. We at can holidays, smear a plot on we? this. We're very bad. At <laughs> they try and have a holiday, and there's a mystery. They try and have a holiday, and there's, there's a, a war. war. <laughs> we're, we're too, okay, we're too, what, what, what if they? Yeah, what? Okay, Alex. Uh, let's go. They've gone to visit Gettysburg. 
Sure, something like that. Fantasy Gettysburg. Fantasy Amazing. Gettysburg. <laughs> or sci-fi Gettysburg. Could be either one. Um, Bren is deeply unimpressed by everything because she's on a planet and she doesn't approve of planets. Here's, here's the thing. I think that like she's kind of a an engineer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Captain Tevery, being a pirate queen, has a lot of cannons on the ship. So I think that they're both really, really interested in like the... Uh, weapons that were used and like the display cannon that they have there and are they very excited I think Cap- Captain Tevery is probably very excited to see like the cannon firing demonstration that they have at this, this historical battleground right <laughs> I have this vision of them being on one of those like guided coach tours together and mm. like ending up like trailing off at the back and like getting themselves into trouble later because they've gone and reverse engineered a trebuchet Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Do they try to steal one of the cannons? Maybe. I mean, like my pirate would be down for for possibly a little recreational theft. Well, it might. It feels like it would very much annoy Bren if there was something wrong about yes, the cannon. Oh, yeah. So that it works. Yeah. 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 As you'd be like, right, we're going to make it proper yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I love that. Amazing. I love that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. Who's All right. Next? And the the last pair uh, is going to be Freya's Elspeth from the Ice Romance book, and my Avra Helvachi. Who's okay. also from the the pirate book? He's like the slinky poet slash spy. Slinky poet. Yeah, he's yep. like very bisexual and disaster bisexual. I think so, he would he would be quite familiar to Elspeth. Yes, yes. Uh, he sounds a lot oh, yes. like Tom. Um, he does sound a lot like Tom. <laughs> What's the item? The item is a hideout. Okay. Mm. Hmm. So this seems to me this is saying like um, somebody's like lake cabin. Mm. Like okay. a, yeah, quite a small Elspeth cabin that was originally that. designed for hunting. Yeah, I mean, she would be a bit twitchy uh, <laughs> if she was away from an ice rink, but it could be a cabin in somewhere very cold where there is like a frozen lake. Frozen nearby. lake, I was about to say, yes, frozen lake. And she'd be very, she'd be very pleased that she would be able to go and skate on the frozen lake. Yeah. Uh, and otherwise relax in the cabin and maybe read some fanfic. Yeah. How would uh, your I boy that... take to the frozen lake? Uh, Avra, as long as there's like a a like cozy indoors, Avra is into it. Um, I think that of these three like sets that we have, this is the pairing that's going to do the best job at actually taking a at vacation, actually having a holiday. I yeah, know, because... I feel like the second two are having the time of their lives. They're having they a might good get time, arrested, absolutely. But they're having yes. fun. <laughs> yep. Whereas I think I think I think Avra and Elspeth went out to have a holiday getaway and are just going to have a holiday yes. getaway. Yes, because they're going to drink a lot of hot chocolates. Yep. They are going to sit around by the fire. Yep. 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 Avra is going to wear a fluffy dressing gown. Yes. He's very much into like, like luxury and relaxation. He's a little bit lazy. He wants to just like be left alone to write his poetry. And uh, Elspeth is going to be very annoyed that she's taken this holiday away from her boyfriend and with somebody <laughs> who is almost exactly like her boyfriend. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, um, she has anyway. a type. Anyway. Uh, Dear listeners, welcome to all of us and our characters who we felt most needed a vacation. Most needed yes, a vacation. that Thank was you. the unifying theme there. <laughs> Thank you for all of the, the questions that were sent in. Um, we got so many questions this time. Thank mm. you so much. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have time to answer all of them, but I did see them all and go, wow, all of these are incredible. Uh, and yes, and welcome in a more bittersweet note. Welcome to the last 10 episodes of Be the Serpent. Yeah. And we will be doing mm-hmm. uh, another extravaganza with questions at the end. So if you want yes. to start pondering, we'll happily take questions on any of our episodes up to this point. Yep. 
make them good ones. We really, we have some very good episodes planned for the yes. final ten. We, we do, we do. Them. We have planned out almost every single of the last ten episodes. Uh, we only have a couple slots left, and I'm really, really excited about a couple of the the ones that are coming up. Yeah, it's cool. The Freya yep. book, it's the Freya book Including the Freya book episode. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yay! Jazz hands. Hello everybody, thanks for joining us for this episode of Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely, extremely deep literary merit. Doing the outro for an extravaganza episode means I haven't got an easy topic to ramble on about, but it also means I have creative freedom to ramble about anything I want. So I wanted to firstly say a huge thank you from me, the Freya Serpent, to every listener who has expressed excitement or anticipation about my debut book. Somehow we are only three months and a handful of days away from release, which is truly wild. And secondly, given the announcement we've made today about the podcast largely wrapping up after episode 100, I'm sure we will express our appreciation a few more times before then. But I wanted to give a particular shout out and raise of the glass to those listeners who've been with us since the beginning. You folks are champions. Sorry about the damage done to your TBRs over the years. Soon you will be free, but not yet. Because for the next episode, two weeks hence on July 28th, we're rubbing our grubby little feminist paws all over some classical texts and historical narratives. We're looking at retellings, translations, and adaptations by women. So, if you've got any friends of any gender who might be into that, do give them a heads up. One of our tentpoles is the book The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo. Questions? Comments? Breathless adulations? As ever, you can get in touch with us at serpentcast at gmail.com, and we're at serpentcast on Twitter and Tumblr. If you would like to support us further, you can also find our Patreon at patreon.com slash serpentcast, or please consider leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes so we can continue to reach new listeners. And by the way, that dance you did when no one was watching, it was fantastic.